Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. This is Tim and Julie Harris, and this is, of course, Real Estate Coaching Radio. And today is, really, it's part two and a half. We, we actually should have covered all these notes yesterday. Um, and this is Real Estate Agent's five-year plan. Those of you who do follow along with us and use our notes on the website, timandjulieharris.com, or we also publish the notes on iTunes and Stitcher and all the rest of it, um, be patient with us. Sometimes we go a little faster than our notes, or sometimes we go a little slower. I'd say 99% of the time we go too slow. Mm-hmm. So we're catching up on yesterday's points, but I think this will tee us up for tomorrow, which will effectively be year three, even though technically it should have been year four, but you guys get the gist of what we're saying. You're going to learn something, and even if you don't understand exactly what we're saying, just listen anyway, because you're going to love today's podcast. Yes, bottom line is your notes will be sequential, so just keep writing things down in order and you will be just fine. So we, again, created this podcast series, the Real Estate Agent's Five-Year Plan, to provide you a specific, practical, and tactical plan to meet or exceed your goals in your real estate career and ultimately in your life in five years or even less for some of you. So again, today's show is about part two and a half. Keep your notes going. And as always, thank you for keeping this podcast the number one daily podcast for real estate professionals. And remember to like and subscribe so that you receive every single show the second it's released. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star review and then share with us why it is you liked that show. Your continued support and encouragement are always appreciated. Back to you. All right, good. So we are now moving on to actual specific year two rules, guidelines. These should be your minimum standards. So again, the idea behind this process was to help you formulate what exactly you should be setting as your um, goals for the first five years in your career, the things you have to be doing, and what you should be accomplishing as a result. Accomplishing in the form of actual work product, but actually what you're going to accomplish from the profit you make from your work product, how you're actually going to build wealth and become rich where your money works for you, you no longer work for your money. That's what we're going to start getting into more today. That's right. So year two assumes that you accomplished what was set out for you in year one. You have your pre-listing package done, your presentations, all of those great things. So year two makes that presumption. Point number one, your second year is building on what you learned in year one. This means that you don't stop doing what you got for what you did to get to those 12 transactions. Remember, the goal of year one was 12 transactions, one per month. You do more of what worked now that you have more skill and experience. You've got to avoid what we lovingly call these sophomore slides, which sometimes after you've done those deals, you figured some stuff out. For some reason, some of you guys just stop doing what worked or you decide you're going to search out the easy button. Something happens to you to cause second year slides, and we want to help you avoid that let's so, make let's yeah. make that into a real obvious point for example if and we always lean into getting yourself in physical shape because as you guys can see if you ever go to our instagram page i we found some pictures from when we had been in real estate after three or four years and we were both i would say on the more rotund size yes <laughs> yes too many so pizzas you could see that we were and we have haven't always been in our svelte present forms 
But the moral of the story is, is that if Julie and I stopped working out every single day, doing the fundamentals of what we were supposed to be doing, we would inevitably slide back into our more rotund, uh, you know, shape. Selves. Right. And and uh, especially if we could start eating pizza again. But th that's it. So if we start eating pizza again, we stop going to the gym, then we're going to lose all the momentum that we've built over the last few decades, two decades, to get to the point, a point where we are physically, right? And the same thing will happen in your business, but it won't take that long for you to slide back. If you stop doing the very things that uh, you were learning to do in year one and you stop uh, doing them when you get to year two and you start substituting the lead generation that you're doing proactively with passive lead generation, and that is what you convince yourself will be your primary source of lead generation because after all, prospecting is only something new agents do. Isn't that what some of you have been mm -hmm. told? Well, you stop doing it and you're then starting to buy leads and you're going to see how quickly your profit margins will go to crap and you are off the plan. You are no longer following the plan where you're going to have lots of profit to reinvest into things that will make you passive income. So I want you to keep all these things in mind as Julie progresses to point number two. Indeed. So point number two, folks, Focus on net profit, not so much on units. Some of you guys get sucked into that unit business. But you're going to complete a new real estate treasure map, increasing your production goal by 20%. 12 to 18 closings this year, 18 closings based on the math we presented to you yesterday, should net you a minimum of 216000 gross commission income. You're going to use whiteboards for visual accountability. Now, the whiteboards are discussed both in the Harris Rules book and in your coaching program, so you should be familiar with that. Well, Real Estate Treasure Map, you guys can get a free copy of that, a free copy of the Real Estate Treasure Map. Just text the word Harris, our last name. Text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 47372, and we'll text you back a link to download the Real Estate Treasure Map. You want to do that urgently. It is really, a, you know, it's the first thing, when you guys hire us to be your coaches and you work with one of our great coaches, you're going to be asked to do the treasure map first thing because that does create your own personalized five-year plan. This is just the broad strokes of what we'd like to see in everybody's five-year plan once they finish the real estate treasure map. So just text the word, our last name, Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 47372. Remember, message and data rates may apply. That's right. So point number three, now you can get serious about your magic number of listings. That's the number of active listings to have at all times in order to meet or exceed your goals. Again, assuming that you've done the treasure map. Exactly. The, we're starting to now assume that you are in alignment with um, the real estate treasure map. You're in alignment with what Julie and I teach you guys to do. You're starting to move forward professionally. You're starting to build a profitable, predictable business. Maybe you've read our book. Julie mentioned it a second ago. It's available at Amazon and all other major booksellers, you know, Barnes and Noble and the rest of it. One of the best-selling real estate books of all time for real estate agents. So now that you're following the treasure map, once you're now you're following uh, the the uh, disciplines of being a proactive lead generator, you will build up to a specific number of listings, and that your responsibility will be to have those number of listings at all times. That's right. So in year two, you now have enough skill to start building that listing inventory. Three to four listings at all times are appropriate for most agents. Upgrade the quality of your presentations if necessary. Have five pre-listing packages assembled at all times, ready to send as you set appointments. And then, of course, lather, rinse, repeat. If you don't know what any of these things are, like a pre-listing package, you definitely need to join our coaching program. More on that in a bit. Point number four, Julie. Yes, because you now carry listings, you can start referring your buyer business to buyer partners, not buyer agents on your, quote, team. We talked about that you don't have to do that. And we're talking about buyer partners who pay you referral fees for qualified buyers that you're going to take off of your plate. You then will keep one to two active buyers at all times who should be your listing clients who are buying with you or repeat clients, relocating executives in good price ranges, you get to decide. You should have one or two active buyers at all times, even as you get more and more successful. 
But everyone else, you can have referral buyer partners that you can use in different price ranges and geographic areas. Now, so let's help them understand what that means. Yep. In a day and age where essentially buyer's agents are abundant, there's no reason for you to actually have a staff of buyer's agents that you are responsible for because you can actually make where you're responsible for in the sense that you have to provide them buyer leads because in this day and age, you can actually make more net profit. Remember, that's what Julie and I are all about by taking a buyer lead and referring it to an independent agent. Now, you can have a self-organized team. You can have a team that works like that. You can have a team of 10 agents or 20 agents that you're regularly referring leads to. And these are all agents that are focused primarily on being buyer's agents. Now, you do have to pre-qualify those leads first because we do absolutely want you to pull out all the listing leads, uh, all the seller, all the buyers um, that have houses to sell. You definitely want to get those listings. Now, maybe you'll come across some people that you actually want to work with. Um, and the, Julie's previous point was just that. Make sure you do have at least one buyer you're working with at all times because it does keep you at the forefront of what's going on in the market. You, will un you can't learn about the market just from going on listing appointments and looking at the computer. You have to be out there actually kicking in doors with everybody else. Yeah. It may be two buyers, but the point is, is don't have a bunch because then it's going to give you an excuse not to chase the sellers and then you're going to be back on the buying buyer leads up and down income food chain. But when you have buyer leads, when you have a bunch of listings, you are going to get a bunch of calls. We are going to show you how to pre-qualify them. We're going to show you how to uh, pull out the seller leads and you keep those for yourself. And then the ones that are just straight up buyers, then you refer those to other agents. Those other agents will pay you a 35% referral fee. Well, get ready for this. I know for a fact those other agents will pay you a 50% referral fee because companies like Cardis and other relocation companies are charging exactly that. So it, the normalization of uh, you know referral fees, it was 20 or 25%, maybe a decade ago. Then it crept up to 30 and 32%. You, listen to me, uh, podcast listeners. There's tens of thousands of you hearing my voice right now. It's going to be normalized that agents are going to start giving up 50% of their commissions for a buyer agent referral. Julia is going to do a podcast on that. We're talking about all these. So we've been able to pay attention to what real, I'm sorry, what a publicly traded real estate companies are planning on doing to essentially make more revenue. Number one was they're going to, and this was actually a quote, and I think it was, I forget where you're gonna do that, uh, but Compass actually said they're gonna start reducing the commissions that they pay to agents. In other words, they're gonna start, the brokerage is gonna start keeping more of the margins and giving away less to the agents. Number two, they're all, you guys can read this yourself or just wait for the podcast, we'll, we'll prove it to you. And number two, agents are gonna be asked to pay a hell of a lot more in the form of referral fees. Not just from real companies, but Zillow and all these other companies. And you know what, I know for a fact, agents will pay it because the whole generation, last 10 years of agents that came into the business, most of them never learned how to proactively lead generate. Most of them were only selling in a hot seller's market. And most of them won't have a choice because they don't have the skill set to create their own business. So they will have to pay the increased referral fees. What they don't realize is between the referral fees and if they're at the wrong brokerage or a brokerage that charges a big chunk of their money, they're going to end up with basically no margins and they would have been better off if they were Walmart greeters. That's right, but that's not really your problem because you're going to be the one with the incoming referral fee because of your buyers. Remember, because you listened to what we asked you to do in year one, so you're no longer you are not ever going to sign yourself up for that sort of corporate tech company abuse because you're a proactive lead generator. And if you guys want to learn more about our coaching program, it's very simple. Text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372. This may be the nation's leading coaching program at this point. You know, we have hundreds of you guys joining on a 
regular basis. And you can join our Premier Coaching Program for around $100 a month, just depending on which pathway you choose. So text the word Premier to 47372. Um, and when you do, you are entitled to a daily semi-private coaching call. Every workday, you can attend the Facebook Live session with one of our coaches and interact with our other coaching clients and ask questions, have them answered, private Facebook groups, all the scripts, all the objection handlers, all the pre-listing packs, every single aspect. You want to work in luxury? We got you covered. You want to work in distress? There are some distressed markets. We got you covered. Everything you need to know about your real estate business is there at the ready. Just text the word Premier to 47372. Remember, message and data rates may apply. Yes. So point number five, again, we're talking about year number two here. Resist the urge to buy your way into more production. More staff, i.e. team, do not equal more profitability, for example. You should, however, have a transaction coordinator and buyer partners, like we mentioned in the previous point, but no more. Your product is profit. I talked to an agent today that's going to be, she's going from $14 million in production to $20 this year. She has one assistant who doubles as a personal assistant and a transaction coordinator. That's it. And she doesn't feel she needs more. So if you ask me, listeners, if you're doing, let's say, a consistent 25 to 30 units per year, and that's going to be a lot of on the once things are in contract, we're even preparing the listing from the market and even getting the uh, listing on the market. So you're going to want to have an assistant because all that little, you know, minutiae is going to drive you nuts. So as far as the once something's in contract, you can hire a transaction coordinator that will close that deal for you for 250 bucks. Now, why do you want to do that opposed to hiring somebody full time? Because that is not a that's a transactional fee that you can actually pass back to the seller. You can actually have the seller pay a referral fee to cover the cost of closing that transaction so it doesn't come off your profit margins. You can even hire somebody to work with you transactionally when you're taking a new listing and getting it ramped up, getting all the stuff done, the process stuff done. All this stuff is checklist stuff and it's all included in our coaching program. But the moral of the story is when you hire somebody full time, you have to pay them no matter what time of year it is, no matter what your commission cycle is, no matter how much work they are or not doing. So if you hire, if you basically have people you use as effectively just in time when you need them, you're not then going to have a bunch of unnecessary expenses if, for example, it's in the middle of the winter and there's a snowstorm and nobody's buying anything. You guys get the point? That's right. So, for example, a transaction coordinator gets paid when the transaction closes versus hiring a personal assistant who you have to pay week in and week out, whether you have closings or not. So that's a good lesson for a second year producer, right? Okay. Now, year number or point number six, and this is assuming that you followed all the points in uh, you know the first year, is you want to be sponsoring agents, and this is assuming you're an EXP agent, right? If you're not, then you know you can cover your ears. But if you're at EXP, your goal is to sponsor at least five more agents in your second year in the business. And by the way, EXP does have uh, a transaction coordination service. Those of you who are in EXP don't know that yet. I've heard nothing but good things about it for $250 a transaction. So in your second year, you should be sponsoring at least an additional five agents personally. And you should then be realizing that that will produce over, you'll see in the next few years, some significant passive income, which is the name of the game when you're a business owner. If you want to learn more about eXp, if you're looking for a sponsor, Julie and I are formally applying for the job. Text me directly, 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. Julie, point number seven. Yes. So, Well, point number six, if you skip that, you literally are delaying your income trajectory. So don't skip steps, guys. All right, point number seven, master two more income spokes. We talked about the spokes on the wheel analogy yesterday and the day before. Now that you have regular listings, you will monetize your open houses as a productive spoke, for example. Add new construction, probate, etc. Continue to expand and systematize your center of influence. So you can see how your spokes on the wheel, 
your income generating spokes are starting to expand, right? So the first year you maybe you only had two strong spokes. Now that you've got listings generating, you have the open house spoke that you can uh, add as we teach you in Premier Coaching and other uh, really great spokes that, I mean, I hear from our coaching clients all the time, especially new construction. Probate can be very systematized. You have lots of different options. And of course, all the while you are expanding and systematizing your communication with your center of influence. That's what you guys call your database. So when you guys come to us and you're asking, you join the coaching program, and you're saying, which spokes should you put on your wheel first? We always say center of influence and past clients. Now, some of you are not going to be in an environment where you're going to already have, you maybe move to a different town, you don't know people, maybe you're in the military, all those types of things. So some of you are, are going to have a harder time doing centers of influence and past clients than others, and we understand that. But center of influence past clients is something that's always going on when you meet people at the gym, when you meet people at Starbucks, that's how you build that list. So it's not something you do and it's ever done, you're always doing it. So what we'd ask you to do is we're going to ask you to put in the big rocks first, and that's going to be something that's um, going to get you the, the quickest results the fastest. Or I'm sorry, the best results the fastest, yes, right? that's right. So we're going to ask you to go after the sellers that we know, that you know, have their hands in their air, ready to list their houses. New expireds, old expireds. New for sale by owners, old for sale by owners. Notice the defaults, probate listings, absentee owners, all these different things that we're going to tell you about how to go after. We're going to coach you on what to say and how to say it. Those are your primary sources of business. You have to, well, so in your first year, we're going to say you, you have to choose center of influence of past clients. That's your first spoke. Again, it's always going to be being worked on. The second spoke, we're going to ask you to choose either FISBO or expired. Or if, depending on your market conditions, we might throw in there probate, right? Now, probate listings are things that are in some states, the probate listings are an absolute honey hole. And again, we'll coach you on how to do that. Choose one your first year, and Julie's saying your second year, you should have another spoke that you've chosen. So you're always building your center of influence past client spoke. Your second, and let's say your first year you chose expires, good for you. That's the one I would have chosen. Mm -hmm. And the second year, let's say you're adding probate. You guys get it? Do not bounce from one spoke to another to another until the skill and the craft of working that lead source has been proven out. Otherwise, you're just going to be half-assing a whole bunch of different things, and you're never going to have a very strong lead generation wheel. Yes, and meanwhile, because you've become a powerful listing agent, or at least you're well on your way to doing that, I am a big fan of uh, systematizing your open houses to be super productive. Most of our coaching clients, when they choose wisely and they follow our open house coaching, do produce a minimum of one additional listing from that open house and, I mean, an endless supply of buyers, especially in today's market where your open houses are pretty well slammed. Yeah, well, because they're not the sellers, or rather the prospective buyers aren't driving past you know, yard, yards full of open house, exactly. or yards full of for sale signs everywhere they go. So when there's a house that's actually open, it's going to be something that's going to get, garner a lot of attention. And that is a very low skill, if we're being honest. It is. Very high return investment only. But there's a lot of parameters with making that work. Correct. I mean, you can't just start doing open houses in buildings where, like, you know, if you're in New York, good luck with doing an open house. Right. If you're in a lot of these gated communities, not easy to do. Anything like that is going to be, you know, essentially you're stymieing your success. But remember, the reason that you're doing open houses ultimately is to sell the house if it's your listing or not. But the real reason you're doing it is to meet prospective sellers. Um, and our whole open house system that you get part of the Premier Coaching Program, it's a checklist of every single thing you should be doing to make it so your open houses do become massive, free lead generation activities. Point number eight, That's Julie. Right. Okay, point number eight, commit 20% to your savings account minimum. Some of you may have been able to start doing that in uh, year one, and that's fantastic if that was you, maybe up to 25 or 30%, but we want you to increase your savings 
Minimum. And of course, continue to be good on your dedicated tax account. So year one, we were asking you to save 10%. Year two, we're asking you to save 20%. And it's off the top. You pay yourself first. That's rule number one when you're trying to essentially build wealth. You do not pay yourself with whatever's left because there'll never be anything left because there's always somebody that wants your money, right? Mm -hmm. So when you make $10,000 or whatever it is, and you're putting 20% aside, you put $2,000 in the savings account. Now, what are you supposed to do with the savings account? Because it's hard to rationalize having a bunch of cash sitting around in an inflationary time like this. But you should have at least, ideally, six months worth of actual money set aside to cover your own personal reserves. For example, let's imagine we're back in the COVID lockdown era and we no one knew what the hell was going on. The government had not come out with all these programs. There were not all these things that were coming out. We have all been addicted to basically the government saving our asses and compensating for the fact that people don't save. Let's say there's an era where that doesn't happen. Let's say, for example, there's another lockdown or there's something that's disruptive and you have six months worth of cash savings to cover all your personal family bills. You're fine. You're not stressed out. You're not out. freaking out. Yeah. You're not freaking out. You're not waiting around for some president to authorize mailing you 50 bucks, right? You guys get the point? So the first thing you should be doing is with that 20%, squirreling that away, keeping it out of the tax account, keeping it out of the operations account, keeping it out of the designer sneaker account, keeping it out of the horse feed account, and you're supposed to put that someplace where you always have that financial security. The funny thing about financial security is that it actually makes you more effective at uh, essentially doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. When you have a sense of financial security, it's one less thing, like knowing you've got six months worth of savings, is one less thing that will creep up and cause you anxiety. So if you're talking to a seller, you're going to be a lot more calm, cool, and collected because you know you've got financial security on your side. It, whereas if you didn't, now you have the anxiety of talking to that prospective seller and you have the anxiety of worrying about your finances. You guys get it? Yeah, you know, the most stressed out agent you'll ever talk to is negotiating something like home inspections. Where you know, they need the money. Where they, where the agent really needs the money. They're very stressful to talk to because they're the ones freaking out often more than the client is. Right. So you don't want to be in that position. It makes you have uh, not great decisions. Your filters aren't really tuned in. Well, they lose the deal because yeah. the, the other parties Almost can sense the, the, the other part. Well, here's what they do. They lose the deal. Or to keep a bad deal together, they give up their commissions and yep. they end up with nothing. That's right. So again, you have to do these things sequentially. The old fallacy of humans in general, not just agents, but definitely with real estate people, is they think that they're going to somehow save and cover up their financial misdeeds, their financial sins with one big closing. You know, something's going to happen that's going to cause some liquidity event. Well, maybe if you're blessed, that one day happens for you. But you're, if you're having to use that money, that little surprise, financial closing, whatever, uh, to cover up for all the, the debts you've accumulated or the money you should have been saving or all, all the other things, then you're just right where you started. Whereas if you've been disciplined, like Julie and I are prescribing to all of you guys, and you've done it every single day with every single check, you will be like, you know, you're going to be like the squirrel who basically <laughs> is completely prepared for whatever and however long the winter might be. Unlike most other humans. This is basic funny stuff, really, if you think about what, it's common sense what we're telling to you. Well, if it's common sense and you're not stupid, why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you doing it consistently? Just because nobody else does? Well, who cares? Do what nobody else does, and eventually you'll have a life that no one else does as well. It's a lot better for you. I was going to ask you, can you think about all of our hundreds of thousand coaching calls and all of our different clients throughout the years? Can you name anyone who saved just from a liquidity event versus doing it this way systematically? Truthfully, two people. Mm -hmm. um, I'll tell you who they are. Yep. I don't remember the lady's name. I know who you're talking about. Uh, I think broker she was... that inherited some money, I think. Uh, yes, California. Yeah. 
Yeah, she inherited. Her mom was a broker, and yeah. she uh, right. Her mom was a real estate broker, and her mom had some absolutely kick-ass beachfront property. Mm-hmm. Her mom passes away and leaves leaves her those properties. Yes. So there was a liquidity event. Um, another coaching client, first name was Steve, if you're listening in Tennessee, I won't say mm-hmm. your last name. Yep. And he had a bunch of money come in off a commercial deal. Okay. And that commercial deal basically, uh, it did make him complacent for a good year. Mm-hmm. So the advantage that would have been the proceeds from that commercial deal, because he had to live off the money, mm-hmm. did not be, did not stay long, did not stay for long. Right. Thus, and I was trying to lead you to a point on this is that, I mean, those are two examples out of many thousands of agents that we've known over the years. Oh, okay. Easily a million agents. Exactly. We've known. Yeah. Okay. And I would put us in the category. We never saved significantly until we were disciplined about it either. Not really. Yeah. But fortunately, you've been disciplined about it for like for 25 time. years. That's so true. It's worked Which out. helps. But even your examples, those were isolated events that are not sustainable and not a plan like your Tennessee agent. You know, that would have been better if he didn't use it, right? So it's not sustainable, even if you do have a big event like that. So this is the plan. And, you know, you guys will thank us in future years when you say, look back and say, thank you, Pastor, fill in your blank name. Well, it's boring. It's unromantic. It's it's essentially the exact antithesis of what most people and how most people live. You get a closing, you go out and spend it. You want to show off your success. People, it's you know, it's a funny thing, too, is there's this... um, Always this pull, this push and this pull against live for today versus saving for tomorrow. And it's fascinating how few people actually um, understand that you live better today when you are saving for tomorrow because you have less anxiety, not just about today, but about tomorrow. And the people who have a tendency to get money and spend it all really quickly, which is frankly a lot of people, they're doing that just out of a lack of really being able to see them project themselves into the future. This is actually a boring subject that we bring up occasionally because Julie and I, you know, we want to figure out a way. If we could take you and take a picture of you and take a picture that you actually emotionally connected with, and we then were to project you into the future by five years so you can see what you'd look like, see what you not just looked like but felt like, um, you would most certainly do this plan. But the problem is, is that humans can't see themselves into the future. And this is something, Julie, I've talked about on this podcast. We've written about We've tried to understand, and it is true. That's the, one of the main uh, – we are not wired for some damn reason, frankly, to be able to project uh, ourselves into the future in such a way that will be motivational for us in the present to do what we don't want to do and we don't want to do at the highest level. That's the reason, ultimately, you can't really count on uh, dream boards and goal boards and all that. You just have to ratchet it back and just have the discipline of doing the activities that are necessary that particular day and not overthinking it. As soon as you get into the mindset aspect of the future version of yourself, that's where you're going to lose the whole thing because it seems to go against human nature. It does. I read a psychology article about that, and psychologists suspect that it is related to our original programming for survival today. Mm-hmm. That's why you're so much more present with today. You're really tuned into who you are right in this moment versus trying to think about yourself five years from now or even three years from now. They studied that. And what goes on in your brain is the same as if you were to think about a stranger. That's how disconnected you are. So in other words, you have to trust yourself and your own discipline and put systems in place so that you can build your future. Well, so I did not trust me and I did not trust you or I frankly did not trust anybody else that we were counting on to give us advice with regards to finances back in our early – well, or really our Mm mid-20s. And so when you and I would buy rental properties, we would put the rental properties into what we call money jail. We put the properties into, um, you know, LLCs, and we put the LLCs into a trust. In other words, 
we would buy assets that were creating core level financial spokes for us to give us security and give us long-term security and for our families and future generations at this point, frankly, that um, we couldn't easily borrow against or sell. Mm -hmm. And because we did not trust ourselves, we would, we were not, there's no reason to believe that unless we basically operated that we were not trustworthy when it came to money and with regards to our own future selves, right? Uh, that we would have ever been where we are. The reason that we are where we are financially is because we followed our own advice. We assumed that we would make dumb decisions if we did not force ourselves to save and force ourselves not just to save, but with whatever we did save to put it in such a way that we could not easily get at it. Money jail. And that Money jail is what we call it. And that's one of the, frankly, the smartest things we've ever done. I would and, agree. And I see other people doing some things similar now that Julie and I are you know, breathing this more rarefied air Every single person we know that has ever accumulated anything has always treated them their finances very similarly. They put their money into, uh, into some sort of structure that then will give them financial security that they will then not ever have an easy access to, borrow against, to leverage, to lean, to use, to go to Vegas. Do you guys get the point? So you got to fundamentally assume that no matter how many financial books you read, you will always be a financial idiot. And you have to build systems around your idiocy, I guess the nice way of saying it. It is. So that leads <laughs> us to point number nine. Utilize your EXP Express offers and or your guaranteed home sale program, both of which we teach you in coaching, to purchase at least one rental property. Put that equity into money jail for the future you. And then point number 10, which probably should have come before this point. Let me drill down yeah. on that, Julie. So when you're, if you are a listing agent, if you're an agent in the marketplace right now, and you do not have access to an in-house iBuyer program, you are at a disadvantage because you're going to go on listing appointments and you may be competing with other agents. You probably will be. But you are also going to be competing with the institutional iBuyers. What was, would be like, um, give me a name of one. Open door. Open door, right? You're going to be competing against an open door type company that, yes, is going to net the seller less, but the seller might be willing to pay that or accept that less um, you know, uh, amount of money for the convenience that they perceive open door will be offering them. Well, wouldn't it be amazing if you could walk into said listing appointment and say, listen, Mr. Seller, we have a couple different paths that we can go here. One, we can retail the house and this will be the result. Two, if you choose after a certain amount of time, um, if you want to essentially move things along more urgently, I can bring you an offer from from Express Offers because I'm an EXP Realty agent, and I can essentially have the house sold for you, liquidated for you inside 30 days. Now, here's what will happen, and this is how Julie and I accumulated a lot of our rental properties when we were selling real estate, right? Is that we had a guaranteed home sale program, which is essentially what all these open door type companies are doing. And Julie and I, and again, we tell you about this in the coaching program, but we would get you know, when we got people that would call us out to list their properties, and most of the uh, properties that we listed, we had absolutely no connection to the seller. We were not coming from real estate backgrounds. Every single listing we went on was hard-won new client relationships for the most part until we've been in the business for like five years. And then we started getting really great business from centers of influence and past clients. But the moral of the story is one of the reasons they would call us out is because on every single for sale sign, it said guaranteed home sale program you know, guaranteed home sale program. And they'd want to know about the guaranteed home sale program and they would call us out. And I remember times we'd go out on the, sell the listing appointment and they would say, great house, very sellable in the marketplace. Seller wasn't overpricing. There wasn't an equity position. The house would have sold right away. Maybe in our market, it would have taken 90 to 120 days from the, to get proceeds. 
you know, just because the market wasn't like it is now. And they would say, you know what, I don't have the time or inclination or I just inherited this so I do not care about leaving 20 grand on the table. I went, I called you guys out to do a guaranteed home sale program. So Julie and I were able to buy these properties with 20 to 25% equity right when we walked into it, which by the way, we could then use for qualifying for the mortgage when we bought these houses originally, in some cases, close to 30 years ago. You guys get the point? So this is how you can use these types of programs to work in conjunction with your overall wealth building plan. Yes, and if you don't get the point because some something's going off in your head saying, but Tim, but Julie, Houses sell themselves. Why would a seller call about a guaranteed home sale in this market? You're missing the point. Many sellers, to your point, will do it out of convenience. We had some that they just flat out didn't want to be walking through their house. They were just weird about that. Of all the ones that we bought, Mm -hmm. okay, I only remember one, which was a true fixer. The rest were actually really nice houses, and they got relocated. Or, to your point, Uh they didn't want to mess around with retailing the house. Yeah, it was a convenience or a privacy issue. And those people are always in the marketplace. Those are the people that are going to open door. And now you have this big influx of, you know, people with VRBOs that maybe they want to mm-hmm. sell. You have different, you know, all kinds of different opportunities. Open your mind to realize that real estate, and I don't care if rates are going up. I don't care if rates are going down. I don't care what's in the news. It does not matter. Real estate is the best business to be in because you are selling something that people always need. No matter how old you are, <laughs> no matter where you are in life, unless you are unfortunate in the unfortunate position of being homeless, you will always need a house to live in. The house might be a rental. The house might, and then as you, uh, you know, basically can afford it, a lot of people have a tendency to buy multiple houses or they buy investment properties. Mm-hmm. You are selling something that everybody needs. That is not true for virtually any other industry. If you're selling, I mean, how many other businesses can you possibly think of that you have something that everybody wants to buy? Everybody you know, every single human you know is in, in real estate. They are either renting or buying, want to buy, want to sell, want to buy more, want to sell more. Every single human you know is in the business. If you sold boats, I sure as hell don't want a boat. Nope. Julie doesn't want a boat. Don't so need to. Don't have to. You're in the boat business. We got nothing to talk about. If you jets, want jets, same thing. No, no jet. Well, I can give you a list of billion miles long of all the things I could give a rat's ass about. <laughs> I know. It's actually the closest thing that I ever come up with. Toilet paper. Toilet paper or utilities, right? Or water. Or water. Yeah. I mean, it's something that everybody needs, right? So Energy. Yeah, energy. Yep. That's right. So point number 10, assuming that your high interest rate consumer debt is now paid off, refer to your number one, start to invest in non-risky funds and keep buying your EXP stock at a discount with your commissions. If you still do have debt to pay off, prioritize paying it off, especially if it's high interest rate. Right. And so um, we're going to talk a little bit tomorrow about the different index funds. We're not, you know, stock pickers or nothing. We're just going to give you the overview of an investing, uh, I would call it um, strategy, philosophy. Yeah. And we're it, it comes from Warren Buffett. And we're going to tell you what Warren Buffett suggests that you do. But remember, Julie and I are not in the securities business. We're not licensed. We're none of those things with regards to stocks and whatnot. We're going to plant the seeds. Then you guys are going to be off to the races, do your own homework. But there are disciplined ways. So here it is. You've produced this consistent cash flow business. You have very high profit margins. You now have no debt. This is year two. You now have picked up some rental properties. You're now having 
income come from in maybe one or two different places. You're doing fantastic. Congratulations. You're still not so far. You still haven't gained enough altitude in the plane that you can pull back on the throttle. You still are working on getting up to cruising altitude. That's going to start happening in the next year, in year three. You're going to start seeing the momentum, the benefits of the momentum of all the work you've done up to that point. That's when things feel magical. That's when all of a sudden, like so up year one, year two, and maybe year three, frankly, you're not really, you're going to question yourself why you're so crazy to be in this real estate business because your friends are going on vacation when you're working because your friends are, you know, attending Johnny and Susie's baseball and t-ball team. And while you're out working because you're working and they're not working because people have normal lives and you have a, a life that's set for a higher purpose. And it's not until if you give up, if you don't stay the course, then you're going to be right back where you started. If you start thinking, well, nights and weekends are just basically for barbecues and drinking beer, you're going to be right back where you started. You have to be dedicated to your goal, dedicated to being financially free. You have to work like hell in at least the first few years for you to actually build enough momentum. Because remember, most agents fail within the first 24 months. It's because they quit too soon or they choose the wrong path when they get started. They choose the wrong direction when they get started. In other words, the direction that they chose would never get them to where they wanted to go in the first place. Or they choose the right direction, but they stop doing the necessary things to stay on course. Hopefully all this makes sense to you guys. That's right. So that was 10 points rapid fire. Hopefully you guys were taking good notes. So circle the ones that, <clears throat> excuse me, that you really want to drill down on and underline the ones you're already doing well at. And you're going to be putting together a bit of your own plan. But remember, that's to be assisted by the real estate treasure map. So don't miss out on that. So Julie, you're going to do the CTA since you brought it up. If they want the real estate treasure map, what do they text? Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S to 47372. Don't delay. That goes hand in What'd hand with forget? everything that we are doing. What? What, you forgot the SMS disclaimer. Oh, yes. Uh, something will apply. Oh, see, I've said it a million times. <laughs> she doesn't even listen. Message and data rates may apply. Yeah. Hey, guys, thank you for continuing to make this number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents in at least the United States. It is truly our pleasure and our honor to have so many of you, millions of you that have made us part of your lives. It is incredibly, um, I mean, if I were standing in front of you, you guys would see I'm starting to tear up a little bit. That's how emotionally attached I am to the benefits and to all the, you know, what we see happening in your lives because you guys listen to this podcast is extraordinary. And we're feeling, we feel so blessed to be able to have the words and the experience to say things that are having such an impact in all of your lives, because that is our highest and truest purpose in this planet. Yours is in professionally speaking to help people buy and sell real estate, to solve other people's problems. Ours, professionally speaking, is to help make your lives better, to help you on the, uh, stay on the straight and narrow, to help you get to where you want to be financially. And from that, everything else will flow. So thank you for continuing to allow us, uh, Julie and I, to stay on mission and be in alignment with our highest and truest purpose on this planet. And please remember, give us a five-star review on iTunes. If you're listening to us on YouTube, subscribe. Help us to get the word out. And here, I'm going to give you guys an extra homework assignment today because you can all easily handle it. Share today's podcast with at least five other agents. Share them the link. Tell them about it. Help us get the word out so we can, frankly, help save a lot of agents from a lot of unnecessary misery going down the wrong direction, never choosing the right direction in the first place. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>